0: Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective hosted by Tim Olman and Jack Caliber. The ULC envisions a future in which all congregations fully equip the priesthood of all believers through world-class leadership development at the local level. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at UniteLeadership.org. This is Lead Time.
1: Welcome to Lead Time. This is Tim Allman, and I get the privilege today to hang out with Dr. Vanessa Seifert. Uh, Vanessa has a PhD in organizational leadership. She and I have run in in some of the same leadership circles. Uh, We care about leadership development and and pastoral formation and trying to be as healthy as possible. Vanessa was also on with me. Uh, We kind of had an impromptu conversation some months ago, and I've been excited for this chat today. Uh, We're going to hear a little bit of her story, and we're going to talk about our goal is that pastors and leaders would, one, be learners and then be in communities where other adults in particular uh, would go on the, the leadership and learning journey as well. Vanessa, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Tim. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the conversation Likewise.
1: today. Likewise. It's going to be a good time. So, all right, let's, let's dig into your story a little bit. Um, when did you first know that you were a leader and who cast that vision for your leadership journey?
2: Oh man, lots of stories. So maybe a good starting point is to define a leader. There's so many different ways that people define leadership. I like to find it to define it very simply as this. Uh, A leader is anyone who practices leaderly behaviors. I know that's not an earth shattering definition. Position (laughs) can be part of the conversation for sure. um, But anybody can be a leader who practices leaderly behaviors. And I'm I'm pretty confident we're going to loop back around to unpacking that definition some more throughout our conversation and even situating it within learning and leadership development and Christian formation. And so I'll just quickly say that I think I first realized that I was a leader uh, in high school sports. And so I'll share just, a super quick story of my basketball experience. I went to a very large high school in Houston, Texas. I grew up unchurched. And so I did not have people from the church speaking into my life. Instead, I had coaches and teammates and parents as those primary formative voices in my life. And interestingly, my high school basketball team was pretty rare for the late 90s. All five starters played college basketball. And so the youth sports movement has blown up in the last 20 years. So that trend might be a little bit more common now. But um, yeah, so needless to say, we had a lot of personalities (laughs) on this basketball team. And so my high school coach really spoke into me as someone and she said it in her own wise ways to a high school girl. And so the words I'm using are clearly not the words that coach Sharon. I used with me. But she essentially told me, Vanessa, you're a natural encourager. You're a natural connector. You bring out the best in people and you point us to where we need to go. I need you to bring that. And I need you to bring it very consistently this year. And so uh, I would say Sharon Pharaoh was probably that first and foremost, very instrumental person in my life who spoke into me as a leader. I, Tim, I think you're asking a very important question because God has blessed us to be in relationship with so many people of a variety of ages and life circumstances. And it's our privilege to speak belief into people. And so maybe I'll... J- Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, I
1: mean, sports is amazing for that. Um and, and I, I'm an athlete too. Still still call myself an athlete. Do you still call yourself an athlete, Vanessa? I mean,
2: Absolutely. After college yeah. basketball, I did competitive triathlons right. for years and uh very much an athlete. I call myself an adult athlete. And then, you know, after kids I thought I need to be a little bit more efficient. So I got into lifting heavier weights and I mean, look at me, I'm not an Olympic weightlifter, but I'm I'm lifting heavier weights yeah. and I run yeah. and so yeah. Watch out. I might Movement. be a yogi in my fifties and
1: sixties. We'll see what happens. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Let's go. So I love that. Uh, shout out to those coaches <laughs> who cast vision for yeah. young people's lives. I'm getting to do that right now on the football fields, staying connected even the off season to, to players and, It's a beautiful thing to see a young, a young person just light up when someone Mm -hmm. says you're a natural encourager, a connector, and you point us, you have vision, you have vision for the future. You point us as a team to where we need to go. So I need you to bring it. And then that call to action, right? What a cool, cool call to action. So, yeah, go on. Other stories of of folks that kind of shaped your leadership journey.
2: Yeah. So my husband. So Mm -hmm. I met Brandon. My husband's Brandon. I met him when I was 19. Uh, I became a Christian in the dorms at Concordia in Texas and transferred to Concordia in, in Nebraska. I know we we share that uh, journey as well, we'll being go loves. Go back, yeah. Uh Finished playing out basketball there and studied theology and went through the director of Christian education program. And so when I met Brandon and began dating him, um, he quickly saw what he was getting into. So I, uh, I, I just like <laughs> to show up uh, as who I am. To really, any settings, and he wasn't nervous. He wasn't intimidated. I wasn't too much for him, and he's a strong leader himself. And so, just as we began to date and get even more serious, he spoke words of belief into my life. And now, he didn't use the word these words, um, but what he was essentially saying is, um, "I want you to be my helper." Not in this subservient kind of way, but in this God eyes, equal way and equal standing of Christ in this uniqueness of marriage. Um, And Vanessa, again, he didn't use these words, but essentially what he said, embrace the duality of being a leader. Vanessa, Mm -hmm. you can be a helper and a leader. And I love you for that. And I want you to do that. And I want to support you in that.
1: Wow. What a... Your husband, what a dude, like yeah. I don't know the many dudes say that you <laughs> like and just call that out of, uh, you know, women who may have more. Uh, aggre- and I'm not using this pejoratively at all, but more aggressive leadership traits uh, rather than maybe some of the some of the passive traits. To, it takes a strong man yes. to <laughs> enter into uh, that sort of a relationship and say, I, here, here's in my words what he's calling out. And this is very biblical from Genesis 2. He's saying, I actually need you to be the kind adversary that Adam needed Eve to be. Yes. I need you to come alongside me to see all of me and to love, yeah. but also also challenge me and bring out the best in uh, team team Seifert. Right? Say yes. more there.
2: Yeah. No. Uh, very well said. Very well said. And, and to be clear, being a leader and embracing that duality does not mean I'm in charge all the time. Does not mean I'm making all the decisions. Um, but it. But what it does mean is that. I am called into acting in leaderly ways in Team Cypher. And we do that together as we mutually submit to Christ.
1: Amen. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. We can. Yeah. Two more. Two more stories. Two <laughs> more, some more quick stories.
2: Yeah. You look no, like what, you you got, lit up over there, Tim. <laughs>
1: ah, you get you get me lit up, man. There's so so many uh, rabbit trails we could go down. But any other yeah. any yeah. other stories of folks? I know there's a Pastor Jake in your story as well. Yeah, there um, is.
2: So so two quick stories. There's one before the Pastor Jake story, and this is the quick Boyd story. So um, I I've served at the church. I still serve the church. There was a little stint when um, I served the church um, in a deployed role. And so, um, Boyd was my boss, um, at a local leadership development firm. And, uh, Boyd saw my backstory as, as a leader in the church, not at the liability, um, but not necessarily as an asset, um, serving in marketplace leadership development. Um, but he acknowledged it, right? So Boyd is a Christian himself. And, um, he, he kind of spoke into me, uh, spoke leadership into me in this very specific way. Um, Vanessa, um, you've had, long experiences as a leader, you've studied leadership theory, you're a scholar, you've been a coach. Now, as you work in this forum, this firm with me as your boss, Vanessa, you are a leader of leaders. Mm. And so to that point, I had seen myself as a leader in the context where God has placed me. Uh, sometimes, you know, in that second chair leader role and in other times in, in other circumstances, maybe more prominent role, depending on the situation. But it really was at that point when Boyd spoken to me, Vanessa, you are a leader of leaders. This was a decade ago. Something shifted for me. It, it really, um, opened up an opportunity for me to see, um, leaders as peers and colleagues in different ways with an invitation to set the table for their own growth. Wow.
1: So uh, I've been challenged because I have more of an egalitarian view of leadership and more it's more based sociologically because of my team background, you know, it takes takes all all kinds. But um, unless we get to that and I don't care if it's a female leader, male leader or whatever, unless we have someone who invites us up to being that equal with other leaders We're probably not going to be able to appropriately challenge maybe a system or Mm -hmm. leadership behaviors because we're always going to see ourselves as as less than. So he kind of he kind of called you up sociologically and and kind of allowed you to just, okay get that courage that's necessary for speaking the truth to uh, leaders that are in in Mm -hmm. powerful positions, powerful positions. Is that is that fair?
2: That's fair. And I'll just quickly add on to that to say, Tim, it wasn't smooth and easy because no. um, my church experiences didn't necessarily draw that out or foster that in me. So what I'm not saying is I had toxic experiences and I was paralyzed, but it was maybe untapped as a, as a better way to articulate yeah, sure. that. And so I remember having conversations with Boyd where I think he was kind of like, what's holding you back? And I remember he even said to me, Vanessa, in the morning, you put your pants on the exact same way I do get out there and lead. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I love so, it. Yeah, so the last story would be Pastor Jake. And so um, simply put, what Pastor Jake spoke in to me is, Vanessa, you are a leader of leaders in God's church. Mm. Yeah, uh, so I've been friends with Jake and his family for over a decade. And I remember standing in his kitchen with his wife. Um, my rostering was just kind of on hold as I completed my dissertation. And I remember saying... Uh, Jake, I don't know if there's a place for me uh, positionally on the roster based on where I sense God is leading me, and just He lovingly convinced me to be patient and wait as the Spirit continued to show opportunities, and He just continued to speak into me that you are a leader in God's church, and so yeah, those are those are some quick stories of formative experiences of people speaking. Uh, leader, leaderly behaviors into my life.
1: Man, am I glad for Pastor Jay. Well, for all of all of the men, your coach um, who, who spoke uh, words of joy and, and care and connection, because we need you as a part of the leadership development journey in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Uh, we, we really, really do. and I'm grateful. I'm grateful you're a part of this church body as we as we mm-hmm. wrestle, as we go mm-hmm. on this journey to steward not just resources, but people very, very well. And uh, praise be to God that in your environments you have the Lord has stewarded your gifts very, very well. So I didn't in the intro, I didn't talk about. Kind of the role that you're playing Mm -hmm. in the Nebraska district now and how you can fast forward a little bit um, in your story to how the Lord is allowing you to be a leader of leaders in the church and specifically even working with with pastors and teams of teams of pastors. It's very exciting. So how do you serve in the Nebraska district right now?
2: Yeah. So maybe we could just quickly start with logistically, how does it look? So I'm I'm mm-hmm. called. I'm called to Calvary Lutheran Church in Lincoln. Um, my rostering is as a director of Christian education. Uh, one of my brothers in Christ who has served with a number of DCs over the years articulates it this way, uh, Vanessa instead of being a DCE for a church, Vanessa, you're a DCE for pastors, and you're a DCE Mm. for a church body, guiding us and leading us into how adult education impacts how God forms people. And so um, uh, the local congregation I serve sends me. So I kind of like to call myself a little bit of a free agent, if you will, who's rooted in Nebraska. Tim, being rooted in relationship is critical. I'm not that person that just flies around the country and speaks only and talks theory only, as a scholar practitioner, um, being in the practical application of this is incredibly important to me, while at the same time advocating for these important practices nationally, synodically. And so um, really in in Nebraska, it it shakes out this way very practically. In my local parish where I am deployed, I am on the um, adult Bible study rotation with my pastor. And so for me, adult education isn't just about the pastor or the church worker, it's about everyday Christians and how God shapes people. And so what a joy to be in on that rotation. I love that. And um, I, I know I've used the term scholar practitioner several times. Um, the scholarship that I kind of reside in is this intersection of church leadership, Christian formation, leadership studies and adult education. So I like to say I serve the Nebraska district kind of like a college professor who doesn't grade and leans into the scholarship around how adults learn to actually create learning environments for pastors in particular, but really I could for any any person. And so uh, Nebraska is my community of practice. The primary service in my portfolio here in Nebraska is called Leadership Learning Communities. I'm really excited about this initiative Tim we're in year 7 we're pushing 25% of our rostered pastors being alumni so for the what? past 7 yeah what so, so, so what leadership learning communities is is customized peer group learning that also includes one on one coaching and so at this point we've been very intentional not as this like um, you know exclusive sectarian thing but we've been trying to get traction around um, offering this particular initiative to pastors, because of the unique position in which they serve others as first chair leaders, they have great impact in leading people in their local context. And so systemically, we really want to invest in this population very intentionally because of the ways in which the Holy Spirit ripples out their own individual growth journey. And so I'll I'll kind of pause right there. I shared a lot. Those are some of the brief ways that I serve in, in Nebraska. And then maybe in a minute, we can talk about how that ripples out beyond the Nebraska context.
1: Well, yeah, you're an anomaly as a district to set up. And I'm in an amazing district here in Pacific Southwest District. So this is not against that. We're working really hard to set up similar kind of coaching relationships and learning adult learning communities. And um, you guys, are, it feels like you're just maybe a, a season ahead of where we are uh, systemically. But um, talk about how open pastors are Toward going on that kind of learning journey, and and what are some of and you're not in sales by any stretch, but what are the winsome ways that you communicate? Uh, like this is going to be really really powerful for your journey because in my my experience, my my doctorate was in the traits and characteristics of pastors who collaborate in mission, and I actually looked around for stories. I told a little bit of your story. Michigan District has um, uh, a little bit of a of a story as well, but the stories of pastors in circuits collaborating together Mm -hmm. intentionally to multiply disciples, to start new communities, uh, to just care and pray for one another, to see one another as equals, um, to to respect one another's diverse contexts. that doesn't happen very often Mm -hmm. and naturally. And it's in the, it's not in the Constitution, but it's in the bylaws of of Mm -hmm. Synod um, that we should focus on circuit forums, circuit convocations, these gatherings that actually include lay leaders, uh, diverse voices from our respective parishes uh, to care for Mm -hmm. us. And uh, it it just doesn't happen. And one of the biggest kind of conclusions in my doctorate was it was all around formation. We haven't trained circuit visitors to see themselves um, as a uh, leader in mission, a circuit leader in in mission, and yeah. unfortunately, and this is what I I looked at as well in my learning. Unfortunately, sometimes the most passive pastor ends up being that circuit visitor, and I think subconsciously, a lot of times we elect them whoever shows up to that you know every three year <laughs> gathering, which often isn't the entire mm-hmm. circuit. We mm-hmm. elect them because well, maybe they won't give me a hard time, and they're a piece, they're a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there. All that to say, mm. I'm grateful that 20, I mean, that is a high number of rostered workers going through your leadership learning communities. Yeah. So what is, and I'm, okay. And I'm asking you to get into sales. What is the pitch? you yeah. get that many. Yeah. What's the yeah. pitch for that? Yeah. So
2: yeah, we're pushing 25% of pastors. And so I'd love to just kind of quickly react by two points. The first point is what I'm noticing here, Tim, this, this is not, Um, like gospel truth, this would be replicated everywhere. But what I'm seeing here is ref reformation within circuits, um, probably has a far far higher chance of happening whenever you can invite people who are uh, circuit participants to opt into practicing ways of showing up to one another that are conducive for formation and growth. And thus really just (laughs) speaking Holy Spirit truth into them and say, awesome, I see that in you. And now you're living that everywhere you go. And so they show up to the circuits differently. And so, you know while there's been some attempts here in Nebraska to focus on more intentional circuit visitor training and approaches, and while those are all well and good, and they have their space as an outsider, as like an organizational lawyer walking with my brothers and watching, I think, Tim, the reformation in the circuits is really happening when people are opting in to some sidebar growth opportunities that aren't in competition of the circuit and aren't downplaying the circuit, but they're saying, this is here for this very unique and Distinct purpose of gathering to grow without grades and be in Christian community and practice what is most relevant um, emerging from the peer group and emerging from the coaching. And God blesses that because God powers that. He drives that. And so that person then goes into the circuit setting a different person as they go into their home as a different person, into their churches as a different person, into their communities as a different person. And so um, I'm really hopeful for how God continues to bring uh, reformation to circuits, I think that um, we might need to look at different ways of infusing a life um, into those circuits. So again, you and I get go on a lot of bunny trails. So there's my first bunny trail to answer your no, question. Let can, me, can I please, respond to that? Please, so please.
1: what you've basically done is what I would say any leader in the, in the parish setting who enters into a, a congregation where there is a need for transformation let's just put it yeah. that way right? right there's some room for growth you you normally instead of we should be better it's it's a law-based approach you know yeah. maybe we could just start a, a new thing yep a, a new community that some a small you know minority but mm. some are going to take part in and that changes the community it's it's the new thing. New wine, new wineskins, right? It's a new yeah. thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do in a, in a new season that then changes in some way the whole system. It changes how yeah. people then enter into the circuit, enter into the congregation. So I just applaud that approach. I agree with I agree with that approach. And um, yeah, maybe we should be doing, I'll, I'll just make this general statement in the LCMS. We should have more courage as leaders, executives, etc., to just start new things and invite the willing to opt into those new things, yeah. and over time, that can change our our system. So, yeah, is that changing. is that about what you've done? Yeah. Yep,
2: it's changing Nebraska. You know, it Praise it, it really is.
1: Yeah. Praise God, all right, next yeah. next point.
2: Yeah, so to answer your question more specifically, how twenty five percent, um, Tim, yeah. it really flows from relationship. It just does, right? Like it's not, oh, let me communicate a vision. Let me create a postcard. Let me tell you how you're deficient. And let me tell you how this thing can fix and solve and and make everything good. Yet that that approach doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work. Uh, um, So uh, really what's worked here is that I was working in the marketplace, just fine, well, and good. And our district president, Rich Snow, um, through Pastor Jake, we all came into contact because Rich was a uh, new to his role and uh, he wanted to talk about uh, pastoral leadership development, wanted to talk about formation, um, wanted to talk about uh, coaching. And he quickly realized through the series of conversations as, as any good leader would, I commend uh, DP Snow for this. Um, he said, Vanessa, originally, I came in wanting to talk to you about what you, what you could do for the people that I'm in charge of leading and guiding. But I realized it needs to start with me. Vanessa, will you be my executive coach? And so I, I like to say we're getting such great traction here because it began with Rich's vision of being that strong, capable leader of opening himself up to that experience first and foremost, knowing that he in good conscience could not invite his brother pastors into a same journey that he is not willing to walk himself.
1: Man, shout out to DP Snow, man. Richard, you're the man, dude. I got to hang out with uh, your district president. I've, I've hung out with him a handful of times. Um, and I'm uh, amazed by his candor, humility, um, mm-hmm. authenticity, and just wanting to, to humbly serve. And as any good leader knows, you can't take people someplace you haven't been. And so mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to model it. I'm a, the reason I smirk about the uh, going back to the early point you made around relationship, those that have the traits like like I do in terms of vision casting and rah rah galvanizing this kind of thing, my yeah. default from time to time, and I have to have wise guides uh, alongside can be uh, well. I said it. Let's go. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not like from a top down kind of. But like we agree on this, whatever this may be, yeah. let's go. But I I realize then a step back. Have mm-hmm. we created? The team that's safe to dream. Have we contracted, uh, have we uh, developed teams of teams of people who gather this dream and then apply it in their own, using their own vernacular for the sake of, for the sake of their mission, their kind of hearts, hearts cry. And then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe we've got work to do there. <laughs> and that, that's a constant, that's a constant for me. Um, Cause the world, I'm always changing and, and gosh, you talk about like, we're not going to get into adaptive change in this conversation, but there's so much going on outside of me and within me that I need. need. Need people to call me back to the simplicity of relationship in in disciple making and Uh, disciple multiplying. Absolutely, and it seems for a guy like me, it seems so. Like it takes a while. You know, it just
2: takes. Slow burn. It's a slow slow burn. burn.
0: Yeah. 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 It's it's so good.
2: Yeah. And so yeah. Jake Jake and Rich are still very much a part of leadership community, leadership learning communities. So we're launching two new cohorts in the fall. And so they don't sit through every session, but they, they, they're not like, Oh, we're the funders have fun. Let us know how it goes think like they're investing in these relationships. And so what it's also doing, Tim, is it's fostering a different connection between the pastors in our district and their district staff. They see them in such different ways, which is uh, really lovely to watch from that leadership vantage point where I sit. And so, yeah, I, they're prioritizing uh, this deeper form of leadership development. We're also experimenting with other forms of leadership development that have greater intention with a little bit uh, less of a commitment. But um, yeah, yeah. That, that's
1: I love it. I, I love it. So, how are you serving in the broader context beyond the Nebraska district now? Yeah, well, so- I understand that heart cry too. Of man, yeah. I gotta stay local. I gotta stay local oh, yeah. and, and engaged, right? So, go ahead.
2: Yeah, so so I serve a, a sent and deployed call, like I mentioned. And so I even remember sitting with Jake, Jake a, a decade ago and there was these images on my ministry description of these concentric circles. And it wasn't this like prestige worldwide, we're going global. So not like that kind of thing. <laughs> but instead it's like, what about this vision of um, really committing to the local expression so much and so consistently that then we couldn't help but want to create conversation with people doing similar things in their own context whether that's regionally or nationally. And so um, really, um, we're at that point now, I'm, I'm pushing a decade of, mm. of this slow burn right now. And so what began with the vision that moved into theory and to practice into a local community to, then towards district staff, then to area pastors has now rippled into different changes and conversations. And so um, I'm beginning to walk with other districts who are wanting to get more intentional about how they're setting um, tables for God. To continue shaping and forming church workers in their own area, and so like this isn't sales in terms of like oh I'm packaging up LLC and now everybody's going to do this. Um, I'm a leadership development boutique, so I'm, I'm by design not scaling Tim because that takes me away from the front lines, right? And, and I want to be taken away from the front lines. My call is to walk with to be a leader of leaders and to walk with pastors in a local context. And so um, it's been really fun starting those conversations with districts. And I also do customized growth environments that are remote for very select populations. So like right now, um, I think a project uh, in the making that I'm really excited about is there's a group of church planters who are uh, connected with a very healthy district in our synod um, who have uh, been deeply shaped and formed by church planter mentor coaching, um, which is incredibly important and vital. And they're finding that they're at this point in their leadership journey of being five to seven years out where they're asking significant questions like, What does it look like to build systems and structures that take us into this next season of life as a church beyond those early church planting years while staying true to our unique culture? And so being a leadership development boutique that curates content that people need, I'm positioned to be able to put the right resources in front of this group of church planners while offering an incredibly customized environment to explore uh, individually their own unique application and practice of said content that honors their unique local context. And so, uh, yeah, those are, those are some fun, fun things that I I get to be a part of beyond the Nebraska district. And uh, yeah, I'll pause there.
1: Man, uh, the church planning journey, that question, getting to be, that's a holy moment, getting to be at the table with uh, a church that is, the Lord is granting some growth. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the I know the traits of a lot of pastors who are church planners. It's so highly relational. Yes. So and so so they don't naturally think about system and structure and, and things like that, which obviously necessitates them probably building a team of people who are around mm-hmm. them that can set. So they can forget, if you will, those sisters, so they can remain boots in the ground, caring for and relationally caring for people. So that's that's awesome. If, if you would, I'm, I'm just curious, go down the rabbit trail just a little further. At what stage are a lot of those types of of churches? And the reason I'm asking this is I think I've spoken a lot about. Some of our smaller churches, are there a need of revitalization as well as the need for church church planning? Um, and if some of those revitalized congregations can have a critical mass of folks that really view themselves maybe as a reboot church plant, that could mm-hmm. be that could be helpful as well. So what are the some of the characteristics of pastors and churches when they start to think? system and and structure on their growth journey. You mentioned like maybe three to five years down the line or something like that Mm -hmm. is when if they're growing, they need to start thinking systems and structure. Can you just go a little bit deeper into what they actually are needing as they start to grow?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um like I maybe I'll just share a little bit about this particular group of of leaders as I've spent um, some time connecting with just one of the leaders in the group. But it's this um you don't want to always just time stamp it. I mean, their unique journey of this group of four is it's 5 to 7 years out. A person might start experiencing this at year three, maybe even, or further down in that year seven. I mean, there's a lot of variables at play, but, um, some things to consider are like the sociology of numbers, right? So how many people, um, are in the mix and, um, this kind of tipping point and this realization of a need to move from like galvanizing and gathering to mobilizing for mission. And what I don't want to say is we shouldn't be mobilizing for mission on the front end. Um, that that should be an imperative. That's a biblical. That's a call all the time, right? By virtue of our baptism, God has given us these spiritual gifts to be used and shared to the building up his kingdom everywhere we go, regardless of how many people are in the mix. But I think sometimes as leaders um, who are leading people, there's just this kind of tipping point of numbers when it starts becoming more of a pain point, this realization of, wow, we're like the keeper of the code here. And we, 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 need, a, we need to just be releasing a little bit more. And so there's so much that could be said there. But those are some of my quick responses to your question.
1: Well, I mean, it's what... To land that plane. It's what Jesus did. He walked through that journey with the three to the 12 to the yeah. 70 to actually needing to set himself, you know, this is in very earthy terms, but set himself apart. I think that's the power right. of not just his resurrection, but his ascension so that the Holy Spirit could come and then the the mission could be, could be deployed. As a lot of these communities, they start to think, oh, wow, Jesus had a closer inner circle. He had a, a wider kind of Executive leadership team, if you will, mm-hmm. and then and then he released them uh, in in due time. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Let's let's come down coming down the home stretch. Let's talk about your experience uh, presenting to the faculty at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Go preachers! My uh, I'm an alma mater. That's my alma mater as well. And getting ready actually to go back in a month to to be a part of the alumni basketball game, Vanessa. Oh I played my with goodness, the pre- yeah, 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 fun. yeah. So. We're yeah. building a gym. Our gym is opening up uh, here. You're, next time you're in town, you're going to come and shoot some hoops with me. We'll play horse or something. It'll be it. super fun. And uh, yeah, so getting getting ready to go back there in a, in a month or so. But you got the privilege to go and talk about dualities in adult learning with them. Just talk about that experience and and what you shared.
2: Yeah. So it, it really was an honor uh, to connect with the Concordia Seminary St. Louis faculty I, about a year, year or so ago, got to know uh, one of the faculty and we had a series of conversations around the work that's happening here in Nebraska. He asked me to submit a proposal to share a scholar practitioner uh, approach uh, with the faculty. And so I, I said, sure, I'll submit a proposal and was invited and was really grateful that my DP, Rich Snow, was able to join me remotely for that. Uh, he, he was at the Council of Presidents meeting at the time uh, in your district. They were, I think they were meeting at, uh, Concordia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, and so I was in St. Louis in person, but it was great fun to co-present with Rich. And so essentially the intention, uh, Tim of that presentation was to, um, stimulate some critical thinking about the intersection of adult learning theory and pastoral formation, um, really in any context, but, as I shared the case study, it was the context here, sure. But um, the intention was to connect the data to real world pastor scenarios. And so as a scholar, it was an honor, because here you are, you know, in the academy of people who devote their lives to um, scholarship and formation of pastors in that setting. And so it was an honor. As a practitioner, it was a joy to be able to move from the scholarship to the practice of it, Um, in the real world and sharing um, what that looks like in one, just one local expression to then create some conversation around it. And and I would say it was also joy because the pastors that I walk with have been deeply impacted by both of our seminaries and to be able to spend time um, was a little bit of a full, full circle moment for me. And just this kind of like realization of just like God calls us and invites us to lifelong growth with him, Um, The same is true for his under shepherds, really for all people, right? That pastoral formation um, is cradle to grave until we're with Jesus. And so what a joy to even be at that intersection at that moment.
1: So, yeah, that's so, so good. Talk about what you shared a little bit and you can yeah. go, I'll give you the open hand. You can choose one of these two. You could talk about the six qualities of adult learning theory and we can wrap it up kind of going at a very surface level with that. Or you can talk about the three dualities of pastoral formation, conviction and curiosity, individual versus community and content and coaching. Um, I, I pr- I'll i throw it out there. I would I would like to talk about the dualities. I, I think there's a lot yeah. to be said yes. around the uh, three dualities of pastoral formation. So, but you can- well, Let's the go there. But let me just okay. say
2: like three <laughs> sentences about adult learning to set the place yeah. If That's okay. Go ahead. Let's okay. Go. When I talk about adult learning theory, most of the time people are not like, whoa, that is so earth shattering. That seems like such a stretch. But the reality is we're not practicing it. It's really hard to replicate something you haven't experienced, Tim. We have a very systemic issue in, in our churches of not honoring how adults experience learning, change, and growth and how we set the table for all people, including pastors. We've got to disrupt how we're setting the table for growth environments.
1: Ah, Okay. Yes, I think, I think that's true. So what needs to change to yeah. honor adults on their learning journey? Uh, and you can go into the six qualities of adult learning theory if you'd oh, like. Well, so, yeah, well, so good. I mean,
2: well, yeah, we, we just need to change. Oh, man, what needs to change? Well, so let me let me just start by saying there's levels of learning. There's levels of growth. There's levels of, um, you know, development. And so sometimes leaders want just top results, deep growth, transformation. And we tend to like make these levels and value assessments of how people grow. I I certainly don't want to do that. Um, And so maybe Mm. something helpful that I can offer is, I think uh, a helpful thing to start practicing, which would bring change, is getting really clear on how we would like to see people experience learning, change, and growth. Okay. And so I want to introduce listeners to the Kirkpatrick model. Just type any search engine Kirkpatrick model. This is an international tool that um, helps leaders evaluate and analyze leadership development and training opportunities. And those Quick four levels are reaction is at the bottom, learning, behavior, and results. Oftentimes, we want adult learning to primarily focus on these deep systemic results, these deep personal results. But we're simply setting the table for reaction moments. We're we're just setting the table for reaction moments.
1: So that's a new phrase for me. Reaction moment. Define that.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh, you and I have had a series of conversations. You and I are primed. We are all in on this conversation. Somebody just listening to this, who's had no context, maybe with this podcast, the themes in the podcast, um, leadership themes, they might walk away from this conversation and say, oh, wow, the there's some pastors out there who are really leaning into the body of Christ to be in collaborative leadership. That's cool. Right. Yeah, And we that's praise wonderful. God for that. Great. That's that's a reaction. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And so others here's the here's may the have different if reactions. We want to, to, if we want to see results, we cannot just talk at people. And, yeah. and I'm talking about the, even the holiest of holy proclamation that has its place, that needs its place. If we want people to practice different things and to walk through this journey of making meaning of the challenge, the difficulty, the joy, the myriad of thoughts and emotions on this baptismal journey we call life, that is interactive. That is other person driven. If we want to see results, we cannot just talk and lecture alone.
1: Uh, there, there has to be community deep and abiding community. And I, going back to the seminary, like that's one of the main reasons uh, we're not going to get into the debate around different models for, for formation on this podcast necessarily. But, um, I mean, one of the biggest cases for pastoral formation residential is the deep and abiding relationships that are tethered to the the content. I mean, you've heard that, right? Oh, and if, if we explain, Sure. Right. That's why we want why we want uh, some may say the primary way would be would be residential. And it is all about those those relationships. But I like I like how maybe maybe where some of our struggle is today is around learning. You can learn. But then on this journey from reaction to learning to behaviors and, and then results, there can be a disconnect unless there's deep community between content and. And then the carrying out of of ministry, and yes. I, I've I've said for gosh a number of years I've been a pastor now pushing sixteen years. Um, it would be it would be wonderful if there were more l- learners and vicars who were under um a covering of a pastor or a group of more experienced pastors for a longer period of time, maybe even before ordination takes place. Why? Because then not just around content, but the execution, the behaviors that are needed to immerse yourself, embed yourself into a community and not go in like a bull in a china shop or not fall off one of the two continuums I would say mm-hmm. of being overly overly passive or overly aggressive and dictatorial. That walking that walking that middle way. I think we need a longer journey of formation between learning and and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Any kind of comment there
2: yeah and i say it just keeps going yeah you know i think in a sidebar conversation i even told you um tim you can count on my voice of being an advocate for a lifelong christian formation for any person and also including the under shepherd right that um Mm -hmm. while i i don't have that uh systematic theological exegetical lens of that component of pastoral formation. Um there there are other components of pastoral formation that I've been invited um to to speak into and to sit the table for and and to offer with that um daughter of the king lens of theology, right? And so it it doesn't stop after ordination. It it just continues on, and and so whether we call it the covering of um, more experienced pastors and leaders guiding that pastor towards ordination the same happens to him in a community of Christ of brother pastors as they walk together even inviting in, in a sister in Christ to set the table for them to curate the content to make it applicable to um, invite them into articulating what it is that they have a sense that they would like God to grow them into and to guide them it, it just it doesn't stop that's, that's what I would add to it is until we are all with Jesus it's this great mystery I heard the, the the great theologian uh, John Kleinig say this duality that we are enough in Christ and God wants to continue growing us. It's a oh. mystery and it's true.
1: Well, yeah, it's just the best is to recognize I light up, I light up over, over learning new things. And um, I, I sometimes lament that some of not just pastors, but just people there are so many this is where we'll kind of close this conversation. There are so many assaults, and I would say it's a spiritual assault that keeps us from experiencing out of the identity piece of you are and this is something that we need to hear and learn be embedded. You are my beloved, my beloved daughter, mm-hmm. my beloved son. I'm proud of you, I rejoice over you, I smile over over you i can't hear that I can't hear that enough, mm-hmm. and then out of that. I get, to, I get to follow the king of the universe, Jesus, the crucified and risen one whose spirit lives, makes me, abides within me and, and is like calling me, this is discipleship, right? I mean, he's calling me into all of these new experiences with new people and it's not just it's books, but I'm learning more about myself, my gifts and my gaps. And then I'm looking at other people and how we can work together. And, and the Holy Spirit's like the divine connector, right? My gifts to the gifts of others. Like it's just the best way to live life rather than Mm -hmm. the distraction of -hmm. the phone or getting sucked into Netflix or just kind of, I lament that sometimes, you know, we, we, it feels like some people are just barely making it, you know, Mm -hmm. in light of eternity. Vanessa, in light of eternity, the the growth that's going to happen between now and and then um, the the people that I get to, in light of knowing I even when I die, I don't die. I live in Christ like it's just it's all gravy, man, like the world is so beautiful. There's so much pain. But I think a lot of times unless we and this, I'd love to get your closing reaction unless we're tethered to people who call us up you know, set your mind where Christ is. Mm-hmm. He reigns overall and you reign right now with him. I, I need to hear that from other, mm-hmm. other people, because I'm going to get called down into the muck, into the yuck over and over again. And Satan wants to keep me and us there and just as consumers rather than, rather than contributors. Any final, mm-hmm. final words of, of wisdom to the life, which is truly life, which is in Christ.
2: Yeah, I think um, something that I'm really enjoying seeing—not to you know unpack a quick uh, another theoretical model here—but diffusion of innovation theory kind of talks about how ideas and practices are adopted. You know, you've got your your pioneers, your early adopters, your middle of the roads, your laggards, and your resistors. So um, the reason I'm bringing that up in response to what you're saying is, um, as we first started this. I would say the earlier adopters were the ones that were jumping on the train first. But what's really fun is to see that spectrum of openness kind of trickle in Nebraska and the ways in which the body of Christ um, amongst this group of pastors is encouraging a sense of openness so that God can care for this duality of the individual and the community together. Um, Because our natural human tendency is to want to resist disruption right? We want to be safe. We don't want to be disrupted. And so um, we need people to push us into that healthy, um, Holy Spirit driven openness of love and care and correction as God forms us. And we're going to be far more willing to do that in community than we are alone. Right? Uh, Yeah. And so we need each other and um, there's there has been some competing factors uh, like fear, like apprehension, like not enoughness, like uh, factional um, being and, and, and things like that. Um, sometimes I think it, it can help a little that I'm actually I, I'm not a pastor. Right? <laughs> and so I don't think I bring um, some of that out. And what's really fun is it's to see is it's hard to otherize another person when you know them. And so the prereq of being a participant in leadership learning communities is, are you open for God to grow you? And it turns out that along the wide spectrum of religious imagination, to borrow a Ninian smart term for those sociology of religion people, that as we're all tethered into the confessions and the scriptures rooted in Christ, we've got a variety of expressions. We really can be together. And we can grow together. And it's really in those moments that we realize we do have more in common than we thought.
1: Yep. Wow. This has been so much fun, Vanessa. Um, I, there's a deep spot in my soul that deeply agrees um, with what you just said. And and what we, in every conversation I've had with you, it's just true. And I'm glad you're a leader of leaders. Um, I affirm God's call upon your life to, um, be a leader of leaders and a leader of, of pastors. Uh, we need, we need your voice. Uh, we're better with you as a scholar practitioner, um, who has many leaderly characteristics and and you're modeling that in community. And I can't wait what you're just talking about right there. I can't wait for our next conversation in the coming months on adaptive, on adaptive change, because I think there's a lot more to be said there as we as a church body uh, seek to grow more and more up into Jesus, who is our head. We've got all the goods, man. Uh, our, our theology is locked tight. Let's work on those, those relationships, especially with those who are different, than us in our respective contexts. Uh, thank you so much, Vanessa. If people want to connect with you, how can they do so?
2: Yeah, so I'm not on social media, um, but you can contact me through uh, my website, com, And uh, there's a you know email feature through there, or you could just email me directly at vanessa at com. I'd be happy to create some conversation with you. And uh, Tim, it's been a joy connecting with you. I thank you for... Um, the son of the king that you are and how that flows into all areas of of your life and for sharing and for caring and for leading us. Thank you, Tim.
1: Praise God. Praise God. Uh, that's Vanessa Cypher with I- E-I. So it's S-E-I-F-E-R-F-E-R-T. It's a good day. Go and make it a great day. If this content blessed you, we would be honored if you would comment, like, subscribe, wherever it is you take in podcasts. And we promise to have uh, invigorating, Jesus-filled conversations with leaders like Vanessa in the coming weeks. It's a good day. Jesus loves you. Peace of the Lord go with you. Vanessa, thank you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC's mission is to collaborate with the local church to discover, develop, and deploy leaders through biblical Lutheran doctrine and innovative methods. To partner with us in this gospel message, subscribe to our channel, then go to theuniteleadership.org to create your free login for exclusive material and resources, and then to explore ways in which you can sponsor an episode. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode. The Unite Leadership Collective is excited to announce the launch of our new online learning platform. Whether you're considering entering into ministry or already leading, we have the resources that you need to become an empowered leader in your ministry. Our learning platform will release new courses every quarter with our first available course Becoming an Engaged Leader, available now. But by joining our monthly membership, you'll unlock unlimited access to all of our courses and gain entry into our exclusive coaching community space where ministry leaders can connect with each other. This community also grants you access to bi-weekly coaching calls led by the ULC team, private Zoom calls, and additional team discounts. To celebrate the launch, we're offering introductory rates for all of our courses and the monthly subscription plan, just enroll prior to January 1st, using the code 75ULC2023 to get 75% off at checkout. Visit theuniteleadership.org to learn more about our online learning platform and start your journey to lead effectively in any church settings today.